This week on the Sports Initiative podcast, we sit down with former professional rugby player and American football kicker, Ty Gleader. He discusses his transition into American football and why this may become an increased pathway for former rugby players and GAA players, some of the key characteristics for technique when kicking, as well as coaching cultures that he's experienced. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you share it with friends and family. I hope you enjoy. So, Dag, listen, really appreciate you jumping on and um, spending a bit of time with us today. As I said to you just off there, off air there, really excited for this conversation. You're living out a little bit of a dream of mine but um, or, or have done, etc. But for people that maybe don't know you, do you just want to give us, a, I guess, a bit of a whistle-stop tour of who you are, what you're currently doing, and I guess some, some major stops along the way to get to that point? Yeah, yeah. Um, firstly, glad we were able to get together and make this happen. Um, but just a general kind of eagle eye view um galway city's home in the west of ireland um was here through till the age of like 22 in that period played every single sport under the sun that you can do in ireland up until around 15 16 that's when rugby you get brought into the pro system in rugby um so i was in the connacht rugby system so i was from there from like 15 through to like 22 and that meant you know from the obviously the academy stage but I entered the first team in the professional system at 18 played a bit in Italy um injuries along the way which I'm sure we get into then decided I want to study uh because I hadn't studied when I was in the system in Ireland just because at 18 when I went in full-time it was obviously pretty full-time and I thought uh I probably wasn't as mature as I am now around education but anyway I went off to the U.S. studied there got my undergrad and master's played major league rugby in America for a few different teams, qualified to play internationally for the American national team. So did that. COVID came along and um, world press pause, I press pause. Then I got into a pretty random adventure for like two and so years in American football, uh, trying to make it as a kicker punter, um, which is quite a hard thing to do at 29 when you've never played the sport. Uh, but thankfully, I got to play in the highest level I got to play was the CFL. The NFL is the biggest league everyone knows. The CFL is the second biggest Canadian football league. So I got to play up there with a few different stops along the way. And uh, right now I'm in Ireland coaching. There's a huge opportunity for Europeans, really. But I'm doing Ireland for to become kickers and punters, to go to the US, to play American football, get scholarships, uh, get to experience that. And uh, American football in college is, you know, it's uh, six or seven of the teams get over 100,000 to a game on average so it's a big sport so I'm back in Ireland kind of coaching and pro- trying to create a pathway for that so that's a that's a general overview I'm sure we'll jump into detail along the way but it's been a lot of meandering stuff but I uh, learned a lot along the way um, and uh, hopefully I'm, I'm trying to use my experiences to guide others I guess is, is a big kind of motivating factor today. No, perfect. I think that, let's start with that endpoint that you've made there around uh, the, obviously American collegiate system. As you mentioned, it, it's massive. If you go into your Alabamas, your Ohio states, etc. The for, for anyone that doesn't um, that doesn't know necessarily about collegiate football, I'd recommend you to just kind of Google or YouTube their entrances because they're always quite interesting. But it shows you how in kind of inbred the the atmosphere of college football is in local areas. 
Um, I guess the easiest question is initially is why is there opportunities all of a sudden or why has this come about that there's opportunities for crossover from, you know, rugby or soccer or whatever that is now being highlighted within the American collegiate system? So I think it's always been it's it's always been there in terms of kicking and punting. It's always been there, but and and there's always been a few foreigners that do it. Um, you know, next generally next soccer ex soccer player and ends up being the kicker. Pretty much every NFL kicker right now was a soccer player. You know, initially they do a playing soccer. They all have the same story. It's playing soccer. The high school, the high school team needed a kicker. Nobody wanted to do it. No one could do it. And then the head coach just pulled me from the soccer pitch. You know, started kicking high school, college, pro, like almost, almost all of them have that story. Um, so th- th- that's always kind of been there. But the foreign, the foreign opportunity comes in where, um, you know. In Europe, specifically in Ireland, the UK, rugby, soccer—it's it's so big. In Ireland, we have Gaelic football as well, which is just—you know—we go, we're just—it's embedded in us. We kind of go for a kickabout with our mates, um, or in rugby, you know, before training, like all the lads are messing around taking kicks. You know, like they're not—you're not like stretching or doing these primers. Nah, they just go kick. Um, so you know, we just like to go kick. It's a fun social thing. But as a result, we're accumulating like so much skills and so many hours and expertise and like. It's very much kind of cultural for us, whereas the Americans are basketball, baseball, American football. It's all up here. Um, so we're, we're, so we have a natural innate ability to do it. The sport requires that in the U.S. And I guess for me, it was just through my journey playing the sport, I realized that there's so much opportunity for Irish lads or European lads to do this. There's just there's no kind of formal pathway to do it. You know, there's not like if you want to go do it, you don't really know how. Um, there's no one kind of really guiding you around that. I know, for example, a few Irish guys have done it in the US in the last few years, but they've had to move to Australia to get coached because there is a formal coaching structure in Australia. Uh, loads of the AFL guys end up becoming punters and they, Australians dominate punting in America at the moment. Um, so I guess there's an example of other countries doing it. And I saw in my own eyes, there's a huge demand then. And, and in Ireland, we just have the innate ability to do so. So I guess through all of that, I just started to I kind of could see all the dots and I just started trying to connect them now and create a pathway and thankfully it's uh it's been moving pretty strongly over the last couple of months since we're up and running so that's kind of the why um why I'm, and then the education side of it's cool as well you, you can get a master's or an undergrad that's worth 250 grand like they're so expensive college in the US you can get all that for free and within that you get access to like I equate it to the Premier League in terms of resources is what you get in college football um it's 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 mega so for all those reasons, I'm uh, giving this a go and uh, enjoying it along the way. So I guess from a skilled transfer point of view, you also mentioned there kind of that innate ability to to ball strike, which is essentially what it is, um, that does cross over well. Is there anything that you've seen highlighted or from your experience that's a difference in terms of the way that you strike the ball or the outcome that you're looking for at the end? Um, so yeah, is there any differences that you've yeah. seen between the sports? I think the biggest difference difference is they have the ability, American football kickers and punters. You know that's your only job, so you're on the pitch to perform that skill, and then you're done. So they have so much more detail around the skill than I was ever exposed to. Say kicking in rugby, you know, got to work with some of the best coaches in the world, and we never went into 
a fraction of the detail that's available in American football as we did in rugby because, you know, kicking was one component of many components. So there was a general overview, but not, not to the same level. So I guess uh, I've, the, the big difference is, is how analytical they are around the act of kicking and how much I've learned through that that I, you can apply to other sports around your foot angle and what that looks like and how to promote like, like, a, like a golf club. Like how can you best promote your your foot to be like a square golf club on impact and like how your toes, how your toes manipulate things and how they, they can promote a, a hook or whatever it may be, but understand how and why that happens. Not just kind of in rugby would be, Oh, you hooked that maybe aim a little bit more right next time to square it up. You know, they, we, that was kind of it. Um, the Americans are very traditional and they like, they like a specific style of kicker. Um, where it's meaning they, you kick and you look a certain way. Whereas most Europeans, we look a little bit differently in the act of kicking. We get the outcome, but the act of kicking base, essentially soccer players, rugby players, when we kick our kicking foot comes back to, we kick and we, our foot comes back to ground pretty quickly because obviously we kick and move. So we got to get back into motion. Um, whereas, or like punting and rugby, you're kicking, you're on the move. Uh, whereas in American football, you just do the kick piece. So, they have amazing flexibility. So their right foot would end up around left eye level, you know, on the follow through. Whereas most soccer and rugby players, we kind of finish around chest line and across our body. We don't have the same extension because, so I think that was the, I guess the biggest difference was the ability to extend through the kick. Uh, yeah, that's what I'd say on that one. And I guess for you as a coach, how, um, or, or a player, how challenging is it to kind of, negate those preconceptions so um i'm going to try and find the title of the book as you give this answer but i was listening to a book about bill Chela uh bill belichick um, and talking about his coaching journey and it actually talks about his steve dad in this um his dad's steve in this book sorry um and basically he he talks about the the art of punting and mm -hmm. how some people um try to overcomplicate it and basically they needed it in a specific time frame yeah. And they said, you know, we want the punt to come out and to be gone within 2.6 seconds. And they were like, we say that again, sorry. 1.2. 1.2. So, and then um, basically one of the punters was taking three steps where the preference was two. And then basically Steve Belichick had a back and forth with this coach and said to him, well, what does he get the ball out in? And the coach said 1.2. He goes, well, why are you bothering them? Leave him alone. Yeah. Because um, that, yeah, yeah, oh man, that's like so. I had this last night, even. Um, I had a guy kicking, it's it's infuriating, kind of how traditional and the American coaches to your point. It's like there's metrics 1.2 hands called hand, uh, hand to foot. So between catching your hand, exiting your foot, 1.2 is the, is the metric, and then you know, you want like 4.5 seconds plus of hang time while it's kicking the ball around 55. So 55 yards in air um like they're like the metrics and so or in field goal you have 1.3 seconds from snap to kick uh eight yards to get it up around you know certain height and kick it over the bar and um i even last night i had a guy in ireland he uh was kicking the ball he took uh six kicks from 50 yards live rep so he had a rush and everything kicked all six over the bar from 50 yards on a cold night in the west of Ireland. And like almost all were dead center, like within a yard or two were dead. Center. Really impressive. And I was cloud nine because he's the first, my first client that I'm, we're talking to a lot of college coaches. 
And um, I got a feed, I sent it to a kicking coach who I use in the US who's quite helpful to connect me with people. But the first response was like, oh, coaches won't like how he uh, his right foot comes back to ground a little bit quicker than Americans. Because like I said, we're, it's more innate in our ability. We kind of kick and foot comes down. And I was like, fair. But at that point, the ball's gone eight yards. It's already well gone. He kicks it higher than anyone, straighter than anyone. And it has like really high level distance. I was like, surely would they, that's what the coach wants, right? Like, it, it, I understand, and the operation time, which is 1.3. Uh, I was like, as long as he's hitting all those metrics and he does it consistently, is that's the name of the game, right? Um, and, you know, his response was, yeah, it is, but coaches would like him to look a certain way. And what's really the reason why I'm so passionate about this is I experienced this in my career when I was playing. I talked to some NFL teams and they said, we love your tape. We love what you're showing us, but we don't like how you roll your left ankle. So after I kicked the ball, same idea, my left ankle would glide a little bit along the ground. And I tried to change that. I went on for like two months and it was terrible. I, I, I couldn't get to the same level of kicking because it's a small thing, but I was so hyper-focused on trying to change that one specific thing that didn't really have a huge amount of importance, but it affected the outcome, which is important. Um, so anyway, bit of a rabbit hole there, but uh, it, it, it's amazing, yeah, how I find in Europe, where I know the sports we're a lot more open-minded and, and like there's more than one way to skin a cat or get the job done like as long as it's, as long as there is parameters if you achieve those and the outcome is good uh, like Bill Belichick said so I wish Bill Belichick is going to hopefully this lad will play for Bill Belichick before he retires because like that's you know I think the big thing about being coaching is being um you know quite open-minded curious you know that growth mindset willing to learn understand there's more like just because it was done this way for x amount of years doesn't mean it's the best way to do it but in America, I was surprised with uh, the American football coaches. A lot of them were 50 plus, a typical almost 50 plus white male that was just kind of had a, had, a, had a way to do things. And it was either my way or good luck. So that's annoying. But we're trying to we're trying to work around that. But I, I've experienced that. So to your point around Bill Belichick and the lads, um, it's it's nice when you find a coach who's that open minded. And it shouldn't even be that open minded. The, the ball's going over. That makes you happy as a coach. That's the main thing. So. Anyway, I'm passionate about that one. You triggered yeah. me there. The, the, well, the book in question, if you want to have a listen, is David Halberstam, The Education of a Coach. It's a really interesting, I've got an audio book. It's a very interesting listen. And that really resonated with me because like what you've said there, you know, David Beckham, there was a time everyone saying, well, his technique means his ankles are going to deteriorate and all that type of stuff. It's like, yeah, but for the time being, at least the outcome is what you want in terms of, of what you've got. Um, so yeah it's a really interesting one I guess from um, what you said there around the analytical side could you just run through uh, for us what a typical coach may want to see from the analytics so if we go from a say a 45 yard field goal for example what uh, if you could break it down from maybe snap to obviously the catch and kick and timings velocity of foot uh, velocity of ball all that type of stuff what generically would they what benchmarks do they have that they want the kickers to be able to hit at that point yeah um so it's it's quite cool now because a lot of people are using a, a track man um, which is quite common in golf but it's come into american football so now you can see um from a kicking perspective you can see the the force the kind of like the force and rotation of the ball from your foot, you can see the the height of the line of scrimmage, so how quickly you're getting elevation. Um, yeah, the amount of rotations within that. And then also it marks 
where the ball goes over. So we'll say good from 40 yards, okay, good from 40 yards, ball travel 58 yards. So you can also then see that, you know, every kick. So it's a, so much data. Um, that's a brand new thing in the sport. And um, not too surprisingly, some of the coaches, they're like, yeah, it's good data, but uh, I believe my eyes. And I was like, oh, fuck, you can't, excuse me. Like, you, you can't, you can't argue just because I'm experiencing this right now with the player I just mentioned who's doing phenomenally well. We got him over to New York on that track, man. And uh, he blew he blew some of the stats out of the water, and uh, but then coaches are still saying, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know," and it's like, "Oh man, like we're literally giving you like cold hard facts here." But anyway, to go in with to go in with around that, yeah, field goal kicking is it all comes down to a snap hole kick, so it's called the uh, the operation is what it is between the three specialists: long snapper, holder, who's usually a punter, and a kicker, and it's. You know, on TV it looks easy, but within the detail, there's a there's a lot goes into it. Um, I think the the biggest thing is your your snapper needs to put the ball seven yards, um, and laces out ideally. So what that means is he needs to throw the ball seven yards in such a way that when the holder catches the ball, the laces are pointing to target. So he's so ideally they can control that rotation. The NFL guys they're they're pretty good, but I I don't know how to do that. But like that's the expectation on them. It's called a strike. Can you hit a strike? Um, the alternative being that when the holder catches it, the laces are back towards the kicker, which means you as the kicker, you're seeing laces. You know, the laces are the white part on the ball, for those that don't know. Um, so A, th- that's the snapper's job. Laces out and hit the target in like 0.2, 0.3 of a second. It's a bullet. Um, and then from the holder's perspective, he has to obviously catch that. He, he's he's to catch that ball. And if the laces are not perfectly presented, he is to you know, set it and mold it. And again, mold it meaning shape it to get the laces to the target um, in, in in an instant. And it's it's really impressive what those two guys do because in TV, you never notice or see it because it happens obviously in like 0.5 of a second, but it's happening. Um, so they're really high level, what they do. And then I guess from the kicker's perspective, our job is we're approaching that ball before it's even there. So that took me a little bit of while to get used to coming from rugby where I set the ball on a tee and I have all day and I take a million breaths and I visualize and I, I it, you know, I just had so much time in football. You don't have that time. So it's about, you take that first step before the, before the snapper, excuse me, you take the first step as the holder goes to reach to catch. You see, you see his hands go up to catch. That's your trigger to go. So first it's a half step, take a half step. And then your second step, the ball's probably getting onto the ground. And then just as you drive for your last step, the ball maybe is being twisted because he might have to maneuver the laces and things like that. So you're kind of the ball's being placed and twisted as as you're planting your foot to kick. And then you're just trusting in that last point zero, whatever, zero one of a second, it's a minimal that the it's then frozen still before you kick it. Because if it's rotating once you kick it, you get you just obviously curls. Um, so you need to trust that your holder then sets it, spins it, places it, and kills it still. Uh, whilst your you know your back, your leg is coming back and obviously coming forward pretty violently. Uh, and all, like I said all that happens in one point three seconds. Um, so it takes crazy amount of time to get like dialed in to get that consistent, and uh, a lot can go wrong. So if you watch a lower level American football game, doing the most obvious things you see is it's for kickers and punters. It's you know it, it might take two three seconds and it's not sharp. So when you watch it on TV, that's what's happening. But um, it looks looks easy. But uh, it's it's like 
thousands of reps and like relationship building is really important or with your snapper and holder to just to build that trust and confidence but that's a bit of an insight on that yeah no it's an interesting one uh, as you said I think everyone who plays a, a ball striking sport would kind of go well that should be relatively simple just kick the ball over that but I think the unique thing you're saying there is obviously you're trusting someone else to hold it which is a big one the ball isn't necessary which should be where you want it to be but yeah. you're trusting on someone else to get it into that and also the idea of striking it maybe when initially it's not there. So you're, you're getting yourself in a f- frame of mind. So I'm striking this and the ball's not actually even there yet. I've got to be in that in that repetition. I guess the, the, the question around that from a training perspective and obviously because the amount of ball striking that's going to take in terms of repetition of reps, how do you manage load for players on that? Because, you know, it'd be amazing if you could go out and do a thousand kicks a day and get that really fine tuned. But I guess to a degree, you start doing that, that's when your quads start hanging off and you, you're not yeah. able to do anything for the next week. So, yeah, what does the repetition from a training perspective look like with that? Um, yeah, no, it, it's a really, really good point. It's something that I was, I can get into a bit, a bit I guess, here. Um, from a training perspective, and I guess everything I'm talking about is kind of the profession at the professional level or top college game. You know, the lower levels you go, there's probably not as much of awareness. So maybe guys just they say they call it like kicking your leg off, just do too much. But at the the top end of the game, it's generally for the the snapper and holder. They will just work their bit privately, um, just just getting you know 10, 20 reps. And whilst they're doing that, you as the kicker, you're just kicking into a net. So you're not looking outcome based and we're just doing referral stuff, which means we're doing we're just stand over the ball. There's no tempo to the ball. We're just referring on the strike aspect. So for that, for that, what that means for me is I'm just looking at my foot angle and how am I presenting my foot? You know, and, and am I getting am I getting the right part of my foot contacting the right part of the ball? Then after we contact, we just kind of very quickly go back to the sensation element is like, are we matching up the right part of our foot with the ball? Um, you might do like five or ten of those, and then you might just do two or three more where you do full steps. That's two and a half steps into the ball. Um, and then at that point, then your legs kind, your legs are usually pretty warm, so you maybe swung it five to ten times. Let's, let's say ten times. And at that point, then you you know exactly when you're going to be called upon. All the sirens start going off, which and then you know it's field goal period. It's pretty scary to be honest. The first few times it was like, oh wow. Because, you know, everyone's, you know, the, all the music's blaring in the stadium. There's maybe 60, 80 people between players and staff all moving around. It's all really fluid. Offense, defense, they're running drills and then all the horns go off and then it's just everyone stops. And then the three lads come onto the pitch, snapper, holder, kicker, and uh, everyone just stops because they want to create pressure. So then everyone just stops and stands around you or just behind you out of frame. Um, and then you might get five, five to seven shots uh, in training then live live reps and you need to make them count as i as i found out early in my career um you know there's no second there's not really second chances or in rugby you miss a kick but you can go you can still make a really impactful play in the game itself whether it's a line break a pass a tackle whatever whereas obviously you, you don't get those opportunities when you're just a kicker or a punter um so that was probably the hardest bit was understanding how to manage Every day is very pressurized. You can also be fired, which unfortunately happened to me once, even after kicking a game winner, which makes no sense, but it happened. Um, so you, you're always on the, your heads, your contracts are not guaranteed. So your head's always in the chopping block. So I had to really learn. I, I hadn't experienced that pressure every day. 
you know, uh, or four days a week plus weekend. So you have to build a lot of coping mechanisms around how to frame it and th- and like see it as opportunity and thriving opportunity versus I might get fired. Um, which so is how, a learning- how did you do that? Because as you said, you've mentioned a few times there in terms of if that was a new experience for you, and you mentioned about having to make it count. So I guess one, do you want to recall what that first feeling was like? Where you've got to a practice, you obviously made the the jump across, and you're like okay, this is the first practice with this new team. I've got to show them that, you know, I'm not going to come out here and start shanking field goals and they're going to send me packing as quickly as they brought me in. And I guess, yeah, yeah how, how did you how, how did you manage that from a from a perspective and that internal talk? Yeah, so when I first made the transition over, so maybe three months before my first team experience, um, I moved out to San Diego. That's where all the specialists train, all the NFL, CFL, kickers, punters train and where the coaches are. Um, and, you know, pretty quickly you see on the wall, you know, in the training environment I was in, everyone was either pro or on the verge of being signed or look, looking to be signed. So the level was quite high. And then there was me, this new fella. Um, but, you know, very one of the first things I was told was, you know, kicking, it's 90% mental. Um, just at that level, because everyone can kick, everyone can kick a ball fifty-five yards nine times out of ten, relatively accurately. Um, so it's about the mental thing. So pretty quickly, I, I dove into trying to get a better understanding of that. Um, initially, it was just just um, listening to a lot of a lot of kind of podcasts or uh, there's a book by George Mum George Mumford, the Mindful Athlete. Um, and we're reading that, and just just a lot of books around mindset and and how to how to kind of manage that and cope cope with it and like managing stress or stress or pressure started meditating started a lot more breathing exercises started journaling um it would bring my journal to training every day and be writing on the sideline because we have time as kickers so I, you know as i'm learning or feelings or whatever's happening to try and manage that uh, so i guess i was i got i became a lot more willing to embrace embrace all those things whereas in previously i hadn't i hadn't done so um so it was, it was it was just i guess yeah just, there's so much stuff online there's so much stuff out there for us to um to learn from that uh po- po- these podcasts and books it was probably the biggest thing but then experience also it's all well and good having this breathing structure in place um but like understanding how to actually apply it in rugby i had like different you know breathing was seen as a way to try and like you know regulate and bring things down but i realized i was never consciously breathing so for that what i mean is i was never present and like very in the moment breathing it was a routine but i would just like gloss through my routine without actually kind of connecting to it so i learned you know when my breath i would be internally be telling myself through myself talk like breathe and then i would have to like check into my breath and physically perform it and be present for the breath which is really good to like bring me here to the moment versus think of outcomes or i better not miss in case i get fired um you know so like just little things like that allowed me to be much more kind of present around the actual art of kicking and less kind of kept my mind there uh, without and then just then just the biggest thing for me I, I do a lot with the people I coach is around commitment to the kick um I, I learned just I can deal with the missed kick as long as I've fully in, fully embraced it and fully gone after the kick you know but that I mean I, I'm not just trying to place the ball like you know kind of sw- swing 50 percent or kind of baby it a little bit just you know trying trying to be be extra accurate and then compensate my actual like rhythm and my strike and the forcefulness. So that was another thing I because I, I unfortunately experienced that in rugby a few times where I had a pressure kick or whatever and I would play it safe 
and there's some more often than not you probably end up missing um so i decided just like every kick's a full kick whether it's 20 yards or whether it's 55 yards and that was a really good thing for me then i knew whether I, if i was to have missed it me for me mentally it was much easier to accept knowing that i fully attacked the moment and went after it with like the really good intentions versus comp- compromising something which i'd done in, which i had done in rugby um so yeah they, they were just little things that i kind of used that allowed me to manage that manage the stress and um and then i just managed to reframe it more so big thing was just seeing it all as kind of opportunity based stuff like this is a great opportunity like I score this kick and, you know, we win or I score this kick and I get another one next week or uh, I, or every day I get to go kick and this is great. I'm like, this is what I get to do for a living. You know, I, I started seeing it that way, kind of positive affirmations versus, again, I better not miss today, which uh, to be honest, at times in rugby, I sometimes I sometimes did, to be honest. So Perfect. So there's two bits I want to pick up on, on during that. And I guess the first one for me is, can you see how someone... Um, in American football, finds it very easy to begin to get into the yips and and struggle with their consistently. Like I, I guess the big one for me is that Roberto Aguayo, Aguayo, yeah, yeah, was drafted. Yeah. I think third round for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and like he'd come in from. I don't think he ever missed a college kick. So then, all of a sudden, like he's now not in the league, hasn't been for the last two years, and you kind of look at it and say, I guess the principles are essentially the same. I mean, it's a slightly different football, but beyond that. It's yeah, it's, it's the same. same. So, can you see how someone like him, who's gone from having so much success, and then all of a sudden there's spotlight because of where you've been drafted, there's spotlight because you start missing some, and then you start trying to critique bits. So you've got a coach who goes, "Oh, maybe open your foot slightly more," and then all of a sudden it just becomes like a one That's thing it. after and after another. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So he trained a lot. Um, I met him. I kicked it, in, and he's a brother as well. So I actually kicked kicked in the same league as him or his brother. I'm not sure. Funny. <laughs> so he signed for the Patriots. This is a random story. I don't know if ever told this. So he signed for the Patriots as a practice uh, in the offseason, like two years ago. So you usually have two, three kickers. And the Pats signed him. And uh, so I'm in the middle of my first ever. I just played my first ever game the week before. And uh, my coach in the team meeting says, hey, I got a call from the Patriots. They're they're looking to senders Robert Aguero Aguero or whatever. I remember kind of sitting there, and I, at this point, I didn't I didn't fully know who he was, um, because I wasn't that well interested in the sport. Say, I wasn't a fan of the sport. I was a fan of kicking. It's probably a better way to put it. Anyway, I remember him saying that, and then like some of the guys were kind of like kind of looked back at me, and then I was like, "Fuck, what's excuse me twice?" Um, I was like, "Oh, what's happening here?" And um, the coach then says. The uh the Pats got he told the Pats guy look let me just kind of give give me a day or two because it was it was a really good opportunity for them to take a guy that had played his first ever game the week before for you know to a guy that's been signed to the Pats because the Pats wanted to get ex- get more game experience because he hadn't had game experience to your point because he was uh he wasn't in the league in the NFL um and I remember I remember that that day in training I remember the coach gave me extra reps and he he used to call me Tiger because they can't say the word Tiger. Um, he used to call me. I remember he was like standing over me extra that day and was on top of me. And I had thankfully had a really good day, banged them all. Um, and it turned as we found out in that team meeting, then he said he was, you know, he was assessing me that day to decide whether or not we keep Tiger the Irishman or whether we cut him and uh sign and they say yes to our Guerrero and get him on a plane that night. 
Um, and I just, I'll never forget him kind of he explained this to the team, and then the whole team kind of stood up and started cheering it because they all liked me because I was different because I was Irish guy. But I remember then after leaving the meeting, then googling more about who this fella is, and I was like, oh wow, geez, that was a big vote of confidence from the coach um, to for, for that. But um, anyway, that was my experience with that man. So it was funny enough, we almost he almost replaced me. Um, but uh, he and I, I don't think he ever got in actually, did he? With the Pats since that was two years ago. No. Um, I can see why it happened. I guess to your question, uh, I can see why it happened because uh, so many of the coaches, I've, they talk to be heard. They they don't talk to add value. Uh, they they make so many of these technical points. Kicking's more like golfing as well, or part of it. We say it's it, like your coach, your kicking coach. I I try and be more of a caddy. I guess if a player is brand new, I do need to give them fundamentals, like the things we talked. Some of the things we talked about. You have you have to hit those metrics. But within that, a lot of coaches, in my experience myself, and I, he definitely must have experienced this, where co- they're just trying to they're trying to totally overhaul your swing, um, and then your your, your swing thoughts. They say your swing thoughts a lot, so that's your your self talk essentially, um, and 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 everything else that goes in around that. And they, I experienced it once with me because I, I mentioned I had to try and change my swing a little bit with my ankle, my exit of the kick, and there's nothing worse than standing over a ball, and you're just think your head's somewhere else. Your head's thinking about something that's not, you know, you just, you just want to be free and go perform. For me, my breath is kind of a freedom thing as well. Um, but he, yeah, I, want, I can totally understand. Same with golf. I can totally understand why just coaches just give you too much information and it gets to a point where it's information overload and you just get paralyzed by analysis. Um, and I kind of experienced a little bit myself with within football, but uh, one of my coaches, he kicked in the NFL for 25 years. He just told me, "Is like Tiger striking the ball really well?" So when this, when a coach tells you something, which is this is mad to say, but he's like, when a coach tells you something, just nod your head, say yes, sir. But it's in one ear, out the other. Forget about it thereafter. And I remember thinking, I was like, hmm, "That's in, like why is he, you know?" It's an interesting dynamic to be, you know, your coach just like just pretend you're listening, but don't actually listen. But I understand why because some of them they just they just talk to be heard. So the whole yips components and stuff, um, it's a scary one. Uh, but a lot of time it's like when I tell my lads, when in doubt, just bloody be aggressive and go swing. Don't like don't don't kind of be fearful and, and kind of hide behind things. Um, so yeah, it's a really ruthless act, this the kicking, because the expectation, like O'Gara would experience, the expectation and pressure is so high, you're expected to score every time, and that's not reality. Um, so like how do you manage that? So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, hopefully he's doing hopefully he's doing okay now. He's, hopefully maybe he could be coaching or something, because I'm sure he's a lot of knowledge to give, but it's uh it's a real ruthless job. Young Way Q had something similar as well. He's the Atlanta Fankles kicker. He was at San Diego. He got cut really early. And he then took a year and a bit out. He moved to San Diego and just trained the guy I trained with. And they just worked on a lot of mindset stuff. It wasn't really a whole lot of kicking because they knew you could kick. So let's just kind of build you up mentally. And obviously now I think he signed like a four-year, 24 million deal with Atlanta recently. So thankfully it's worked out for him. But it's a, it's a, it's a really vulnerable, tough position to be in. Yeah, sounds like he's doing all right. So, um, yeah. and I guess the next thing, like you said there, you mentioned kind of the consistency of striking through all the time. How did that change for you compared to to rugby? Um, what position did you play? If you don't mind me asking, my half ten. My half. So yeah, like on that, you obviously got grubbers, you got up and unders, you got driven ones where you're trying to get it flat between you know, the fullback and the winger, or you're going longer just to get as much distance as you can. Obviously, all of those have relatively different techniques involved. Yeah. 
And you might go, well, this one's a little finesse where I'm hanging it up for my winger compared to this is literally all I've got in my locker to get this as far as I can. It sounds like in the kicking within American football, you've kind of deviated away from that. And it's like everyone, actually, I'm just going to take as much lever off this ball as I can and get it straight. So how from a mind, I guess, yeah, from a from a mindset point of view to a physical point of view, how did that challenge for you? Because, yeah, you've gone from having maybe five or six different kicks in a game that you might use two or three times to it being repetitive. But it is literally I'm striking this as hard as I possibly can. Yeah, it was. It's a punting more so where that came into play. Um, so like you said, kicking kick, like the, all the kicks you described are out of hand kicks. So that's really where it came into play. Um, more so where yeah, I didn't need multiple clubs in my in my bag. I just needed the driver, which is high and hang time, a spiral kick. Um, it, to be honest, I I went through a phase where I was trying. So that's all their coached American kids is two step spiral or to your point earlier. Remember the three step. But that's what I, like that's the idea two two step spiral or two and a half step, um. So they 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 don't actually have the ability to pull out other kind of kicks, um, because they've never really practiced them. And but by that is what I mean is where you can kick across your body, you can kind of move slightly right but kick left, so your hips and shoulders can point one way, but your leg pulls another. Whereas the Americans have to be hip shoulders kick that way want to go left so they're really aligned so it's so punt they're so robotic so i had to kind of learn that's what i was started doing um but as i went down that i started to realize like hey i can actually use my some of these rugby kicks which you just referred to to good effect so for example every punt they want over four and a half seconds hang time uh, you know that in- increases the odds of maybe a fair catch or a, a not a good return but i remember that low driven kick you just described I remember one day showing my coach, um, I was like, hey, coach, I can actually move to the right. So the return is going to move, you know, to, following my hips and shoulders, anticipating that kick, but actually swipe across my body and then play the left corner with like a lower kick, like a two and a half second hang time. But it's going to bounce out of bounds. So it's going to be no return. Um, I remember telling my coach that. And then I was like, can I show you? And I went and did it. I did it two times near perfectly. And I was like, great, because I, I want because I was aware I had this club in my tube in my bag, but I, I wasn't getting a platform to use it. So I showed him in practice one day. They call it practice. So I showed him in practice one day and um, he did it twice. And I was like, great, um, like I can pull this in a game. And then I asked him, I was like, so what you reckon? And he's like, hey, Tiger, I love that. But uh, let's just stick to the let's just stick to the traditional or something, something, something like that. Basically, no. I remember being like, oh. Like, um, so anyway, yeah, I had to learn to, 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 to do what they wanted. Um, again, uh, an old, an older fella, probably around 65, he was quite old, 65, 70 for coaching, you know, that level, um, and just traditional. Uh, so I, I have learned to do what they want, but I think some coaches are getting a little bit more open minded, the younger batch that they're kind of saying, well, if you can give me that, again, consistently give me something that gives me the net yardage, which is what we want. At the end of the day, you know, they think high and long gives them a fair catch, which gives them the net yard outcome of no return. Um, whereas, so now coaches are more open-minded, but yeah, it, it was it was hard to just be a lot more focused on the one type of kick. And then I at times I was guilty of overanalyzing things as well because you're just doing that one style of kick, so you, you deep dive. And I found for me that that wasn't necessarily advantageous for me. You, you need those key key coaching points, but 
sometimes you know being too aware about my my little pink my left the small fingers doing every time on, on the ball and how that's looking and you know I was kind of going into these places where it was too detailed on things that weren't helping me at all with the outcome uh, if that makes sense so again there's I think I think as coaches we need to be so aware of and something I'm so aware of is is like managing the amount of information I give a player because uh, you can see them freeze when they have too much and I experienced it myself you know if you give them more than like three points a lot of time like in an instance it's kind of you lose it um so that's something that I try and manage a lot with my coaching is is just sim- the sim- simple message and concise message I don't talk as much as I'm talking right here in, in a coaching situation no it's a really interesting one I think if you look at some of the top players like your Pat Mahomes and stuff they're you know applauded by their ability to freelance and the ability to make an play or make an action and I just think that you know you've got that punter if you look at um from a rugby perspective if you look at uh I can't remember who the kick would have been back in the day, but used to go to Matt Banahan or that rugby league kick yeah. where they're going on the try line, they're putting it on the person and they're going to attack it and catch it. Mm. I'd fancy a, a you know a good kicker from Union or League, their ability to go actually, I can put this for our chasers within this five by five square. Um, we're not even going to worry about hitting it to Tyreek Hill or whoever's back deep. <laughs> Let's just catch it and we'll carry on driving because I know I can hit that and our guys will catch it. I get that there's a bit of bravery involved, but I think also if you can extend the drive by going, okay, we're going to kick it, but we're going to be able to get it or whatever. Fair, fair catch will come into play there in that instance though. So. Yeah. But, 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 but the idea that... And, and they're starting to see a little bit with the AFL players from Australia. As I said, they've been coming over where we're saying, how about we don't need to bang the ball 55 yards and the returner brings it back 10? How about we just bang it 50? But how about we can put it straight out of bounds? So now there's no return, but actively perform that kick. Yeah, Still not in the game properly, but I think there's a bit more op- open-mindedness to it. Um, but to your point, in other positions, it, that kind of untraditional, that creativity is, is definitely encouraged more. I think with the problem with kicking and punting to a degree is it's it's fourth down, so it's last opportunity. We just want the ball to go away, you know. So like there sometimes you do see trick plays, but I think that plays into the you know there's there's not as much margin of error. You won't get another down, you know. If you do something fancy and it gets blocked or it doesn't get off, you know, you they're already in field goal range. So I get the idea of getting the kick off, but I think there's a lot of ways to explore, um, and that's why my Irish guy he went. Kind of over, he went viral on a million and a half views in less than a day on one of his videos the last day because uh, he caught the ball and punted it to the right with his right foot. And then his next clip, he caught it and moved to the left and punted it to the left with his left foot. And the Americans were just like, wow, you have two feet. You can use two feet. They thought, you know, because they, they're not coached to do that. That skill acquisition, that isn't part of what they do. Um, So I'm hoping as you get these different lads coming in with different swings that there's and different uh, two feet. That just confuses the returner. That there's more willingness to at least, at least explore it. Doesn't it? Like, you know, it, it, like give it a chance, not just kind of like see if we prove to you. Say it's great, but say no, thank you. That I found a little bit odd. You know, to be on the receiving end of. I also guess if you've got some of those union boys going across or GAA boys going across, it allows them to tackle them if they are coming through as well, <laughs> which is always helpful. Um, yeah. kind of go with Trisha. I'm conscious of time and I know we haven't touched on half of your experiences so this uh, might be one you, that we if you wanted to it would be definitely another 10 minutes or so if that suits um, um, we'll, we'll call it 
but then right. we'll do one later in the later you know however many months down the line um so yeah no I, obviously i'm conscious of time and i said we haven't gone through half your experiences the rugby stuff i'd love to get involved with and, and hear about that but as i said we'll, we'll let you kind of get about your day so last question for me is um if i was to speak to the people you're coaching or the people that you played with um because you're obviously making that transition how would you want them to describe describe you in three words oh I guess it's a bit. I, I think from a coaching perspective, definitely kind of around the efficient and effective. That's two words: efficient, effective, um, and curious. Like, yeah, as a coach, I mean, that's what I like in coaches: ones that don't talk for the sake of talking, uh, but they're open-minded and curious enough to explore different things. And you're effective in how you utilize like your time. I hate. <laughs> I hit, and the professional level is usually pretty good, right? You know, timing is usually pretty, it, it, there's a plan in place, but I used to hate nothing more than just nothing, you know, just waffling and, and nothing's been achieved in terms of training. So yeah, efficient, effective, and curious. The first things that come to mind, I'd be happy if, if the lads were to say that about me. Perfect. Listen, really appreciate your time. I think a great insight into the art of, of kicking in, in in football and stuff. And I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who have got a son or daughter that are going out having a kick around. Go, maybe give that a go and we'll you know, see what hang time and stuff you can get and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, hopefully it pricks some interest. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. And um, yeah, I'm doing this. It's a ask leader kicking is like our kind of social media stuff. So feel free to flick me on any footage and I'll see if uh, see if you have a shot at the NFL. I'll let you know. Perfect. Maybe I'll send you my own video as well. <laughs> but no, listen, really appreciate your time and hopefully you can catch up again soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Sports Initiative podcast with me, Michael Wright. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Initiative podcast and share this podcast with friends and family. I'll see you next week.